sense the need to continue talking about resilience. And yesterday, when we had all these people here and doing the day, the Lord just inspired a thought to my heart that I'll share with you tonight that will be the next part of what you hear this morning. When we went to Oklahoma on Monday, there was a team of 15 of the 107 that we took that went into one neighborhood, and they ended up at this man's home. He's 85. He's a World War II veteran. And nine months ago, he buried his son. And six months ago, he buried his wife. And the tornado of two weeks ago destroyed his home. And there he is all by himself on Monday, age 85, going to try and save what he could of his destroyed home. And 15 of our people show up. We don't know this man. He doesn't know us. And those 15 showed up with six chainsaws and, and the passion to help him. And you just couldn't help but know that God had set that up. Because that man was feeling more alone than maybe any of us have ever felt. And his pain isn't over and his struggle's not done. But God use Monday and the people that went to Moore for these divine encounters, and that was one of them, to just help that man to know from the Lord that God has not forgotten him. As I was in a warehouse uh, uh, sorting items with the team on Monday, one of the Convoy of Hope leaders said, all of these people are asking how they're going to bounce back. Do they have the capacity to bounce back? How will they get back up from this? Trauma, and let me give you this statement, is a reality. Therefore, resilience is a necessity. Jesus said that in this world there will be trouble. But be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. So we're not trying to look for a world where there's no trauma. We're trying to be open to the power of resilience. It will be necessary and even more so in what we have seen in recent days. And so the question is, how do you bounce back? I can take this tennis ball and when I throw it down, it bounces back because it's designed in such a way and has the capacity to bounce back. Very different from this egg. And should I throw it down, we will get a different result and housekeeping will have a different response toward me. And that would not be good. And so you just get the picture because there's no capacity within this egg to bounce back. And this message today is to simply pose the question of how we see ourselves. Do we see ourselves more at the the breaking point? Or do we see ourselves with the capacity to bounce back? And this message is set up to be an experience of not only information, but this is going to help you today. This has set something off in my heart and helped me this week, and I want it to be a help to you. How do we bounce back. That's the question. And let's start the the lesson in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8 if you'll turn there and let's see what Paul is going through. We need to understand the pressure so that we can understand the capacity that he's experiencing from the Lord to be resilient. So the scripture says, "We think you ought to know dear brothers and sisters about the trouble We went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. The pressure was crushing in that culture. People understood that because the olive oil came from a crushing process. The wine came from a crushing 
process. So he is using the word crushing to uh, show the intensity of pressure that he was under to the point he thought he would die. Look at the first sentence of verse 9. In fact, we expected to die. So Paul is under this very real pressure. Can he bounce back? Continue to look at the pressure in chapter 7 at verse 5. It says, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. I am so thankful that Paul lets us see his humanity. You know that he wrote most of the New Testament. You know that great miracles, supernatural miracles happened In and through his life. And yet here in this verse. He lets us see the reality of his own emotions. Where he says I've got battles all around me. There's so much pressure I can't rest. I can't sleep. And there's a lot of fear inside of me. I heard a person once say that. When they read this and then recalled that Paul wrote about peace. About presenting your requests. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart. Paul wrote that. He said, Paul must be a hypocrite because you can't have it both ways. I said, he's not a hypocrite. He's human. And I appreciate that we get to see his humanity. That even this great man of God experienced the very real emotions of fear. Even to the point he thought he would die. He's under pressure. And yet we see him bounce back. How did he do it? To understand his story, go to chapter 11. We'll start in the middle of verse 23. Here's what he experienced. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Now he breaks it down. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. How long does it take to get over that physically? Even one of those, those encounters, those episodes. Think of the passion of the Christ over and over and over again. How do you get over even one experience, both physically and emotionally? It happened five times. And three times, he says, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. Do you see the trauma that would be associated with each one of those experiences? Do you see the emotional challenge of each one of those? Not to mention the physical challenge. So trauma was a reality of his life. Resilience became a necessity. And all of these things that could have broken him. Matter of fact, he doesn't break. He bounces back. How did he do it? That's the question. How do you bounce back? It would be reasonable... At the end of chapter 11, to hear him say, and I'm broken and I'm bitter. But he he never, he never says, why me? He never moves into the role of a victim. And I would see that as reasonable. His life was difficult for him, yet he kept bouncing back. So, how did he do it? Now, let's go back to chapter 1. And we're going to see the insight. You're going to love this. This is going to help you. It's going to help us all. Back to chapter 1. And we're going to continue in verse 9. The first sentence was, in fact, we thought we would surely die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned 
to rely only on God. Let me stop there for a moment. I think that's reasonable. That's what you would expect to hear. Somebody goes through an intense time. You say, what are you learning? To rely on God. Like we all could depend on him more. We could learn that depending on ourselves is going to have its limit. And so we would expect to hear that. But I need to know more. I need him to get detailed about what does it mean to really trust God, to really depend on God. What did that supply for him so that he could bounce back? You just read it. You saw it. How do you bounce back from that? And it's in this lesson right here. And he says, I learned to depend only on God. And here's the key who raises the dead. Would you say that last phrase with me? Who raises the dead. That phrase is summed up in the one word, resurrection. Resurrection. And when I started unpacking this word, it then gives all the insight we need in how Paul learned to depend on God. He experienced this, this activity of the Spirit that is one of resurrection within us. Remember, it was Paul who wrote in Romans chapter 11 that the very same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is at work in our mortal bodies. That Spirit is at work in us. So when I did a word study backwards, I took... This phrase, who raises the dead, it's the word resurrection. You go back to Romans 11, and then you end up back at John chapter 11, verse 25, where Jesus gives one of his great I am statements in the story of raising Lazarus from the dead. Here's John 11. Look at these words. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Would you read that with me? Here we go. Now focus on that word resurrection. So if you come into the New Testament and you're reading John, where Jesus gave many of these great I am statements about who he is, and you came to this one and said, I am going to take it like word for word. If you took I am, it takes you back to the burning bush. Anybody hearing John say that, hearing Jesus say that in that culture who knew so well, The Old Testament scripture would know how profound when Jesus just said the two words, I am. Then he said, I am the resurrection. And if you take just that word and you did a study of it, it's going to take you to Romans where it says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us as believers. And then you keep studying. It takes you to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 where it says about the one, Jesus who raises from the dead that's in an application of resilience. Here's what the word resurrection means in John 11. That word means, I am the stand-up and the recovery. What does that word mean? It means Jesus could have said it this way. Martha, I am the stand-up and the recovery. The same spirit, a spirit that has such resilience that it can stand up and define and implement recovery is in us. How did Paul suffer the kind of adversity and keep bouncing back? Instead of breaking him, 
He has this capacity to keep coming back. How did he do it? It's because he experienced the activity of the Spirit that said, Paul, when you get knocked down, your question is, how will I bounce back? When you and I suffer, that's our question. This 85-year-old precious man in Moore, Oklahoma, has to be asking, can I bounce back from this? How can I get back up? And we even suffer to the point at times where we say, there's no bouncing back. There's no recovering from this. There is no getting up from this. And if anybody could have said at different times, there's no recovering from this, it's Paul. When in Acts 16, they beat him within an inch of his life and throw him outside of the city. It's Paul when he 35 different times is, is beaten by the Jewish leaders. When he is just adrift at sea, he goes, there's no, there's no coming back from this. See, Paul didn't have what it took as a man to stand up and recover. But there was an operative spirit... In Paul, that was a spirit of resurrection. And here's the lesson. Oh, this is, this is so encouraging. Jesus is saying, Paul, you don't have what it takes to get up, but I do. And when I stand up because I'm in you, you will be standing with me. If I stand and I'm in you, you have to stand. See, how am I going to bounce back? Because there is within me a spirit of resurrection that says, I am the stand-up. Woo! Man. I had a young person tweet during the first service and said, I wish Pastor Ron would forget which hand he has the egg in. No. I am the stand-up. When you don't know what you're going to do, when you don't know how you're going to recover, you don't know how you're going to respond, you feel worn down, you feel knocked down, you are down and you feel down and out. I want to tell you, you don't have to figure out how to get back up. That's not your job. He's the resurrection. He is the resurrection. It's His Spirit in you. You see, we're at a level of pain in this culture that there's not going to be a human uh, answer. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting principalities and powers. And the way you get back up from depression, the way you get back up from the pain of divorce, the way you get back up from grieving the loss of a loved one. Last week, we prayed for a man on Sunday who on Saturday had the homegoing service of his 16-year-old son who just a few days before was outside playing basketball, became dizzy, walked into the kitchen and said, I'm dizzy, and he fell and he died. How do you get back up as a parent from that? The only way is if you have something greater than yourself and greater than the circumstance. And Jesus said, I am that's Yahweh. That's God. That's God, very God. There is meaning no equal to me. I am the stand-up. And when God responds with a resilience, it empowers me. And I walk in the resilience that comes from the resurrection and the life. That's an application of Easter.
Yes, he rose again. He broke the curse of sin. All who call on the name of Jesus can be saved. He died and he gave his life a sacrifice for all sin, past, present, and future. But there's more to Easter than just salvation. There is also empowered resilience that says when you get knocked down, you're going to come back because the spirit of resurrection is inside of you. He says, I am the stand-up and the recovery. The recovery. See, the man who's 85, who buried his son, his wife, and lost his home, is going to need a recovery process that may be different than yours. It would be different than someone who's recovering from divorce, someone who's recovering from trying to apply and get a job and they can't get a job. In each one of those circumstances, the recovery is going to be different. And here is the power of this scripture. You don't have to define your recovery. You don't have to figure it out. He is the stand-up and the recovery. He will define it. He will oversee it. He will lead the process. I think that those 15 people that walked onto the property of that very down and out man, they were used of God as part of a process of God orchestrating recovery. Just the very thought in his mind that God hasn't forgotten him. God will define your recovery. He will lead the recovery. And he is the best counselor that you could ever hope to have. He is the stand-up and he is the recovery. Now he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the stand-up, I'm the recovery, and I'm the life. As special as that man's wife was to him, his son... As much a part of his life they were, they were not his life. As special as your spouse is to you and to your life, they are not your life. Hear my heart on this. As special as your kids are to you and as awesome as they are and such a blessing to your life, yet they are not your life. He is the life. And what we experience in the capacity to bounce back is that there's my life isn't determined by circumstance. Loss is real and grief is deep and pain is is a fact and trauma is a reality. But all of those things that create trauma, they weren't my life. They were part of my life. But they were not my life. He is the life. So I never have to say there's no coming back from this. It's over. There's no recovery from this. Oh, yes, there is because he is the life. And the God life in you is greater than the trauma that is on the outside of you. You may not have the ability to see it right now, but I want to say this to you as just an encouragement from God. You will come back. You will bounce back. You will get up from this because you have the stand up and the recovery who is the life. Living inside of you. Give God a passionate praise that he is that kind of God. 
so, Paul is beaten in Philippi. He goes to Thessalonica and continues to do what God's called him to do. He's not even physically recovered from the beating in Philippi. And they run him out of Thessalonica. He goes to Berea. Not even healed up from what happened in Philippi. Still preaching the gospel. And persecutors from Thessalonica travel to Berea and continue the adversity against him. He leaves there and gets to Corinth. We're not sure if he has healed up from what happened in Philippi. He's now in Corinth and continues to preach the gospel. And they tell him in Corinth that if he doesn't stop, they're going to hand him over to the governor. The governor lives there, which means it'll just be easier to expedite his death. So death loomed even larger in, in the options that they could use against him. This is the guy who just keeps bouncing back. Let me show you some lists. This is out of the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians. If you'll put it on the screen. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, I was in trouble. Now, we've, we've described the trouble. The word used is crushing, crushing pressure. So life, life threw him down, but he was not crushed. Paul was at times in doubt because when you are drifting in the circumstance of your life and you don't know when rescue will happen, you are in doubt but not in despair. Do you see how the spirit of resurrection had a response to every reality? Comfort, which is mentioned eight times in like the first few verses of 2 Corinthians is not a word of like wrapping the big, warm, fluffy, awesome blanket around you where you're no longer uncomfortable. Comfort in 2 Corinthians is strength in weakness. It means there's so much trouble, I'm weak. And God brings comfort, which is strength. Not like it's easy now. No, you are bouncing back and you can keep keeping on even though every emotion says you can't come back you're coming back not easy but doable so he says i face many enemies and we've mentioned a few he faced many enemies but he was not destroyed he was badly hurt but he just kept bouncing back are you Needing to bounce back. Or you're wondering if you can. Do you feel more broken than resilient? The reason the enemy fights your resilience is because your greatest influence of helping other people will rise out of your story of resilience. That's what we talk about tonight, and it will change your life. Your influence will rise out of what you are bouncing back from right now. What you're recovering from, what you're bouncing back from right now, holds in it the very lessons that are going to be life to somebody else. So you so need to open your heart to this power of the Spirit to help you to do what you could never do. So back to John 11. 
Jesus says to Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he says, Martha, do you believe this? And Martha said, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, that's a great answer. But it's not the answer to the question Jesus asked. Matter of fact, it's the answer that Peter gave when Jesus had all the disciples and said, okay, you know, who do you say that I am? And nobody had an answer, and it came by inspiration of the Spirit to Peter. Peter says, you're the Christ, son of the living God. Jesus said, that's right, Peter, and flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So in John 11... When Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, what he's really saying is, you think Lazarus can come back? And so what does Martha do? Exactly what we did. She says, if you had been here four days ago, she's saying, yes, but it's too late now. And then she says, oh yeah, he'll rise like everybody else, like, you know, in the last day. So she could attach her heart to what could have happened if things would have unfolded differently in the past. And she could even attach her heart to something that's going to happen in the suite by and by. But what she was struggling to do is embrace the now God. That he's the resurrection and the life now. And I want to say, thank you, Martha. When I get to heaven, I will find her and say, I so appreciate when Jesus asked you that, that you didn't say, oh, yeah, I got this on lockdown. I'm ready. Matter of fact, I'm glad you didn't show up four days ago. Because, you know, this is going to be one amazing story to tell our kids. I'm glad she struggled. And then here's something that blesses me even more. Her limited ability to understand it or believe it did not limit Jesus from still being who he was and who he is. Her lack of ability to wrap her mind around the fact that he could raise Lazarus from the dead did not keep him from raising Lazarus from the dead. So if you know you've been knocked down, and I'm sitting here saying you can be resilient because God's going to help you and there's part of you said, well, yeah, I, I know I'm going to come back somewhere in the sweet by and by. You, you really struggle that it can happen now. I want you to just know that is okay. Be at peace with that because it doesn't limit Jesus from being who he is even because we struggle. Because I want to tell you, there have been some times that I walked in homes mom and a dad of six precious kids and mom was sent home with no hope and the kids just watched mom so physically struggle until she passed away and I just said you know Lord I just don't know if these little kids can get back up from this and all of them love Jesus today the youngest is in Korea 
as a missionary teacher. There are times that we just wonder. When I heard the story of this man in Moore, Oklahoma, I, I just caught the vision of him standing there in all that debris, all alone. But because there is one who is the stand-up, one who is the recovery, he heard noise. And he turned, and there comes a team of people full of energy, full of love. So we are here to help you. They gathered around him at the end of the day, and they just prayed for him. And I just know with all of my heart, God helped a man who thought there's no coming back from this. It's going to take a while, but you're coming back. So I'm okay if you struggle with believing it. Jesus isn't limited by my ability to believe or not. So you need to swallow that pill in here in faith town. Because if it takes faith to receive a miracle, Lazarus would have never come back from the dead. He had no faith. And Martha didn't have it either. But Jesus said, Lazarus, get up. Talk about resilience. Man, he's been dead four days. Every vital organ, I'm talking. Can you imagine what, what happened in his brain? What happened in the vital organs until blood started flowing and, and the brain, the synaptic connector started firing in his brain until, until his brain could communicate and say, body, did you hear it? He said, get up. And, and his body responded to that word. It, there was nothing about Lazarus that made it. It was Jesus being the stand-up. And Lazarus stood up because Jesus is the stand-up. He's the recovery. He's your life. All right. Now it's time to respond. Because this isn't a message that gives you a formula this isn't three points and a conclusion. This isn't steps. This is an experience of his presence to just do it. And if today you need this, then consider that this word is right for you. So with your eyes closed in the presence of the one who loves you so much, if you'd say, Ron, I want to bounce back. I need to bounce back. I struggle believing that I can, but I, I'm willing to, to open my heart to this word. I don't want to spend my life broken and bitter. I want to be resilient. Would you just raise your hand right now? God bless you. Just keep raising them. Keep raising them. Knowing when you have a word for your church, there's going to be many people. That's why these hands are going up. This is for you. You, when you raise your hand, I want you to know it's for you. He is your stand-up. He is your recovery. He is your life. You're coming back. You're bouncing back. 
empowered resilience. If you raised your hand, would you stand right where you are? If you raised your hand, there were hands in every section. Just stand right now. Just stand. Would you come down here with me? We're going to pray. And you're going to experience this in your heart. across here and I see you and I just want to remind you I don't know your story and recovery is going to be defined differently for each one of you but the beauty of it is you don't have to define it because you're not the recovery I don't define it for you because I'm not your recovery he's your recovery you're going to experience that he is the stand up that's how you're going to get back up from this I want to ask our team who is willing to stand and pray to come and so no one is alone. And then we're going to do one more action step before we pray. Okay, with our eyes closed, I want, I want to categorize Paul. He, he had these experiences where at times they were very painful. At times they were just so emotionally challenging. One time he was just drifting while the other time he's being beaten. There, there is a range of, of things that happen when we get knocked down by life. And in each one of them... God made Paul aware of his presence. And I want you to start there. Because when you're hurting, when you're drifting, God seems distant. I want you to be reminded he's here. He's here. The resurrection of life. The very one who spoke in John 11 by his spirit is in this room today. He's here. And he loves you. And he is for you. And he's going to help you. I'm going to ask the team to just lead in this declaration. And I want you to just open your heart to it. And then I'm going to pray. Ask God to do a very special work.
Let me ask everybody across this house to stand. There is a, a brokenness. There's a humility that is happening right now. And I want you to begin to pray for all of these who are here. Who have stepped and said, I need to bounce back. Lord, you know what that means. And we just lift our hearts to you. Because you are the power of resilience. You make it happen. Lord God, it's happening now. As deep and despairing as it's been, there is power greater. And just as you worked in Paul, you're working in each one who has responded today. Lord, despair is very real, but hope is greater. Sorrow and grief, they're very real, but your joy comes and it's stronger. Lord, the pain of a broken heart is very real, but there is a healing virtue that is from you that is greater than the brokenness. Lord God, the power at work in each one of these choice people is greater than the power set against them. Lord God, I pray that fear will be lifted and that peace would come. In the name of Jesus. Fresh power. In the name of Jesus. Vitality. Energy. Momentum. They're rising up. With wings like that of an eagle. They feel the power to keep persevering. They're going to run. And not be weary. They're going to walk and not faint. Lord, they've had days wondering if that could actually happen. But it's happening because you are the stand-up. And you are the recovery. You are the life. We draw from you today. We experience you today. And we're changed. And we just bless you. We bless you. We worship you. Now here's what I'd like for us to do. To not be in a hurry, everyone across this place, those who have come forward, and those of you standing there at your seat, I want to just ask you to worship. I want to ask you to just open your heart fully to God. You may want to lift your hands. Certainly, you're lifting your voice. And just bless the Lord and let His fresh power just come in a very personal way. God's about to do something for you today. It's going to make the difference. Let's sing it. I know. I know that you are for me. I know. I know. 